Hello and welcome to the first official episode of the podcast series, Mum, You've Got This. This is a podcast series where you'll hear real life stories from everyday awesome women who are currently uh, going through that juggling or balancing act of trying to get things right between working on or progressing their professional careers whilst raising families and still figuring out who they are and, and working through what they want in themselves in life. It's a huge balancing act. I feel it personally. It's why I created or started this podcast. Um, so my name is Elle. I'm a mum of two. I work in the banking and finance sector in a sales role. Um, it's really demanding, but I love it. And I'm currently going through this stage where I've gone on a bit of a journey of self-discovery, <laughs> I guess, uh, where I've started to put the focus back on me. That's what 2019 has been all about. I've called it selfish care, um, but I'm thriving from it. Um, but with that, it's also brought on a lot of challenges being mum guilt, um, you know, figuring out time, worrying about judgment from others, a whole range of things. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of podcasts, podcasts, thanks to some recommendations from, um, from my friends and, I was, I was, I'm in the car all the time and I listen to them a lot when I, you know, between, between driving and things like that. And I was really looking for a podcast like this one and started to do some searching and I just couldn't find it. And I don't know why I'm crazy. I just decided to start it myself. Um, and I put it out there on my personal page, my Facebook page through the week after I'd spent about six hours building out a website, creating a name, figuring out how to even do podcasts. I um, did all that in, the, in a night. I think I went to bed at about one o'clock in the morning and woke up at five because I was just running on adrenaline. Like this is, I think this is something I just really need to do and need to get these messages out there. So it all happened very, very quickly. Um, and after I put it out there, I've been completely overwhelmed by the feedback I have got some here I wanted to read out that I've received through Facebook and Instagram and wherever else I've, uh, I've let people know about the podcast because I think it just kind of puts things into perspective about potentially how many people this might actually really help. Um, everyone has a story uh, and I just feel like we don't really talk in depth in sharing about what that story is. So this is some of the feedback. Um, so Katie, oh my God, well done. I can definitely relate as I'm sure many mums can. Kelly, so much to unpack on this topic. Would be great to hear how others go about finding that elusive work-life harmony. I can't wait to listen to your conversations. Sierra, this is amazing. I'll be listening and I hope to hear of some other super mums I know and close to my heart. Mickey, it sounds awesome. Well done. I know a certain someone who's very passionate about this very topic and he's actually nominated his wife to come on an episode. Anna, episodes can't come quick enough. I look forward to hearing from fellow Wonder Women who manage to fit way more into life than humanly possible. Yeah, girls. Chloe, how inspiring. I might not be in your demographic just yet, but I'll be listening. Sarah, oh my God, yes, girl. I've been hunting for the exact exact same kind of podcast for a while and I can't wait to listen to you make this magic. Bianca, I can't wait for this. My kids are older and I still sometimes struggle to find the balance between work and being the best I can be there and then putting my mum hat on. Stacy, this is going to be amazing. The juggle is real and hard at times to try to be the best mum possible and still maintain a career. So I'm keen to hear how others make it work too. I can't wait to listen. Tori, a topic so passionate to my heart, this absolutely needs to be done. Ali, oh my gosh, I needed to see this today. This is truly a great thing you're creating. I can't wait to listen. Rach, as mothers, we are so hard on ourselves in trying to achieve balance. It's definitely something that we beat ourselves up on, but maintaining perspective and having conversations like this certainly helps. Go you good thing. Nicole, love the idea. I've just gotten into podcasts. So I will definitely be onto this one and just the kind of stories I need to hear right now. And I'm so into this. It's the best thing I've seen on social media in a long time. Amy, a topic very dear to my heart. I'm looking forward to listening in and many other comments from people saying how excited they are to hear it and how much they kind of need to hear these stories. And are just intrigued to hear how every 
um, every other woman goes through these these sort of things. So what I'll be doing in every episode um, will feature one individual person and I'll be interviewing them. I've got a range of general discussion points so that we're all talking about the same kinds of things. Um, but for this very first episode, I actually am going to be the person being interviewed. Um, I thought I would start off with my story um, because I wanted to explain really more why I've gotten to this point of feeling like I'm struggling and I, I need a bit more help and I guess just support and feel more like I've got other women on my side that get it, not feel like I'm being judged, I guess. So what I've done is um, asked my best friend to come and actually interview me. Her name is Donna. We have been best friends. Well, actually, we started off as enemies. We first met in grade one. So we were six or seven at our primary school in Tassie. And um, our friendship has certainly blossomed through that time. And, and we've, we're definitely very best friends now. And we've been at each other's weddings and all kind of things. So um, I'm going to hand over the reins to Donna. And she might explain a little bit about who she is, why she's here, and what she thinks of this whole thing. Over to you, Donna. Hello. Uh, so, yes, I'm Donna. Um, yeah, we've had a very long friendship. Hasn't always been perfect, um, <laughs> but we've always gotten through it and come out the other end stronger. Uh, so when I heard about this podcast, I was, first of all, incredibly proud and impressed that um, she thought up this idea and actually created a website and knew how to even put a podcast together. <laughs> so that was, that was amazing in its own right. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to hear what other women have to say. I personally am not a mother, uh, at this point, it's something that I'm working towards. Um, and you know, fingers crossed that's in, in my future. So yeah, I don't think this podcast is targeted purely to mothers. I think there's definitely a group of women out there who are, you know, looking to move into that next phase of their life and are aware that there are potential challenges with wanting to lead a fulfilled, successful career uh, and still maintain being themselves, essentially, but want to be the best mother they can be. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I'm keen to hear about. And then so if we turn to Danielle, I guess, you know, pre-children, early 2000s, uh, you're in your 20s. Can you just explain what type of person you were, what were some of your achievements and your passions before being a mother? Uh, early 20s, I was living in Melbourne. So um, I moved over to Melbourne from Tassie and was living a very relaxed, very carefree life. Uh, passions were definitely going out and partying. Did that a lot. Um, and travel. So um, I'd always had dreams to travel, um, have traveled to a lot of places, um, very adventurous, very outgoing, very fearless. Um, I've skydived, was trying to, uh, I would have done everything really. Um, I, I had a point, I was booked in to do bungee jumping, but it was when I was, um, had fallen pregnant for the first time and I'd hurt my back. So I didn't do that, but yeah, I was, I was career driven at that time, but really, um, just letting things happen really naturally from a career path point of view. So I, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really do any, um, anything too super amazing during that period of time. I just kind of worked through a career that led me to sort of where I am today. So, and then, so that's obviously in the banking and and finance industry, um, which I also happen to work in. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is a predominantly male oriented industry. Um, and I often think in our industry, women are delaying having children mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons, but it's often because they want to put their career into place. Um, do you think wanting a successful career has influenced when you decided to start a family? I don't think it's influenced when I started a family. Um, I think that for me, I've always just, it sounds arrogant, but if I want to do something, I will do it. So I don't think that I had that mindset of I can't have children now because I won't progress in my career because my career path has always been I've worked really hard to excel and move up in my career. 
it hasn't been a like a you know you have to do so many years doing this role or or do a course or do this or whatever um to progress so I have never felt really that I've needed to stop um you know stopping doing whatever I was doing at that time would affect things um I feel like I had children exactly when I was ready to have them okay yeah that's 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 good I think well there's not always necessarily a right time Mm. but you you kind of know in yourself when, when you're when ready, that, when you're ready, definitely. And I know, I definitely know that that is common. That other women, particularly, I mean, in plenty of industries, but um, that do potentially think that it would be more of an adherence to their career progression. Yeah. Um, you know, from having children at a certain point in time. So I get that definitely. So you and Sam have made the decision that that you're ready to start a family. What What was your journey like in moving into familyhood, mm-hmm. and in particular? How was your experience with pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and overlaying your experience with pregnancy and, and work combined? So I, Sam and I got married, um, so my husband na- na- husband's name is Sam, for anyone who doesn't know, um, and we've been together since I was 18. He's an absolute legend. He's also my best friend. Um, we've been through so much together. Um, we... Got married in November 2014 um, and were living in Tassie at the time. We uh, had lived in Melbourne before, loved it, but did the whole overseas thing for a year, came back with no money, so went back, lived with parents, re-established ourselves. And once we'd um, you know, done a few things down in Tassie we needed to do, we'd kind of gotten married and decided, all right, next was – what was next? So we literally sat outside. I can remember it as clear as anything on the deck at our home um, – on the 1st of January, 15, it must have been, and we were just like, what's next? So we decided Melbourne was next. We've always been very adventurous and wanted to live and experience, you know, all different kinds of things. And luckily we've both been on almost exactly the same page with those experiences and desires. Uh, so, yeah, so we moved to Melbourne. So I got a transfer with the, the, at the company that I was working at to a great job. Um, Sam picked up a great role at a great company as well. Uh, we had kind of talked about children. Uh, well, we had, we had talked about having children, but we hadn't really, um, specifically said, let's plan for a baby. Let's plan to have a baby right now. Um, uh, what we kind of did was just said, okay, well, um, I'm off contraception, whatever happens. I had no idea at this point, uh, what, how it all actually worked. I'm actually embarrassed to say. I just sort of thought that if you um, have to have intercourse when you felt like it, yeah, like well, yeah. I just didn't know. I thought that if you just had unprotected intercourse, you would just get pregnant straight away. I didn't know that there was really those ovulation cycles, and there was really only three to five days in the month you can actually fall pregnant. I mean, I know there's exceptions to that, but on the first time that we uh, didn't use protection we fell pregnant. So it was a huge shock. I can remember the day finding out my husband is the biggest worrywart known to mankind and like having to tell him when it was really not, you know, something that had been specifically planned for was kind of a full on thing, but we got through it. And whilst it was a shock, um, it, yeah, it became, yeah, something we were so over the moon about and so excited. So I, um, I'm trying to think how old I was. I think I was 29 and, um, actually it was, it was just before my 30th birthday. So, uh, and I would have been 12 weeks the week of my 30th birthday and I had a party and, uh, had heaps of family and friends there and people, you know, amazing people that came over from Tassie and everything for it. And that week, um, I'd actually started a new job. So I was working for a different company, um, had another job offer, told them that I was pregnant. I was about eight weeks, nine weeks pregnant, I think, at the time. They still wanted me to join the company because they saw me as part of the future. And I did end up working for that company for four years. Uh, But on my third day working there, the week leading up to my 30th birthday, I had found out that I'd had a missed miscarriage. So a missed miscarriage for anyone that doesn't know is when you, uh, the uh, embryo doesn't continue to grow and there's no heartbeat, but your body doesn't actually recognize that you've had a missed, a miscarriage. So I started to get a little bit of spotting, 
thought it was kind of nothing because I'd had some before during that pregnancy and gone and had it checked out and it was all fine. Um, turned out that yes, it was a missed miscarriage and I found out at about 11 and a half weeks and the embryo had actually stopped growing at about eight and a half. So there was a lot to deal with that because, um, you know, it was the time it was of everyone coming over. It was the, the loss. Um, it was, um, not really understanding kind of why it had happened. It was knowing that I'd been walking around for three weeks thinking and acting and, you know, everything like I was pregnant when, you know, that had kind of stopped. Um, and I'd literally, I was three days, three days into this job and the transition that I'd had was a, was a huge one because it was a really big, uh, step up in my career. And I was, you know, I'm very determined. I wanted to prove myself and this had kind of happened on my third day there. Um, and I ended up having about, I think I had three days off. So I was on the Monday, um, by the Tuesday, Tuesday I remember was, was Melbourne cup day and then had the rest of that week off and went back to work the Monday after, um, that happened again, the second pregnancy. So, um, the second time we've, again, uh, I've been pregnant four times and every time I have fallen pregnant immediately, which I know is, I'm extremely thankful and lucky for, um, but the second one, exactly the same thing happened. So a missed miscarriage and, um, had a couple of days off work straight back in. And I kind of was going through life thinking everything was fine. Um, pushing through work, pushing through catch ups with friends, putting on a massive mask that I didn't even realize I was actually putting on a mask. To be honest, I thought I was okay until I literally just fell into a heap. And luckily I was working at a great company with a great HR manager who picked up on it. Uh, called me in for a chat and yeah, I just fell to pieces. So, um, she basically explained to me, she thought I had really delayed grief that I'd never really properly processed. Um, and they said I needed to have some time off work, figure everything out and, um, come back whenever I felt that I was ready. Um, so during that time I actually booked in for six weeks off work and I didn't do much at all. I literally just sat at home watch some Netflix. I did a couple of online kind of semi courses on self care and self love and all that kind of thing to try and get my head back on track. Um, and in that time we Sam and I had had a conversation and Sam had hard and fast said, we are having a break from this. You physically and mentally and emotionally need a break. He felt the same. So we'd kind of put a stop to it. And we'd had that conversation. And a couple of days later, I, um, started to feel these weird symptoms, realized that I was pregnant, um, was so nervous to tell Sam. He was so scared, um, but excited. And it, it's still a mystery to us <laughs> how we actually, how this pregnancy actually happens, <clears throat> but it resulted in our beautiful daughter, Ivy, who's about to turn three. Um, so this is a very long answer, but it's <laughs> very, there's a lot of detail here. Um, and yeah, so I had to go back to work to say, you know, thanks for letting me have six weeks off, but I've actually also just found out that I'm pregnant. So I'll be having more time off in, you know, in this period of time, but they were just over the moon and fantastic for me. I had a great pregnancy. Um, I, I don't think I even vomited actually with Ivy. I barely had, um, the morning sickness that revolved, revolved in that, but, um, yeah, working was fine. I, yeah, it was, it was all good. So it's, it's good that you had a um, supportive employer because, you know, I think as you begin to interview more women, I, I think or imagine you'll find that's not always the case. Mm, I think so. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear other women's thoughts on that. Yeah. So Ivy's, for memory, are approaching six, seven months old and you decide now's the time to return to work. Yeah. What... What was the reason for, for returning to work? Um, there's, there's many reasons. Some don't have a choice. Mm. They need to financially. Others just need to get back into the workforce. It's, it's a part of who they are. What, mm -hmm. what was your reason? And how did you approach it with your employer? Because obviously um, the dynamics of working after you become a mother do change. Mm. Um, so, yeah, did they, did they meet your needs? So for me, it was, um, a combination of both things, uh, partially financial, partially, and mostly needing to work. So I finished up just before Christmas, had Ivy the middle of January. 
um, went back to work in July. I, my employer at the time didn't pay maternity leave. So we were solely reliant on the uh, government paid parental leave, which is basically minimum wage. Um, and yeah, we, look, Sam and I sat down as a family, decided to, you know, and wanted to look at what we thought would be uh, best for both me getting, you know, that time with our daughter um, and also what that looked like financially and a whole bunch of things. And at the end of the day, it was, Sam was fantastic. He was, he put it all back on me and said, look, this is, you do what you think is right. Like we'll, we'll make it work, whatever happens. Um, so I decided that it was actually seven months I had off because I basically had a month off before, um, my daughter was born. Um, so that was a meeting that I had. I explained what I wanted to do. They encouraged me to have more time off, not because they didn't want me back because they, um, wanted me to have more up my sleeve to then go, um, okay, I want to come back early or something like that. So they said I could have definitely have 12 months off, but, um, yeah, so there was, it was agreed that I would come back after, um, in July having seven months off. And I caught up with them a couple of times whilst I was on uh, maternity leave. And I remember having a meeting with my boss and um, my team leader and, um, you know, I was about to come back and there was this thing thrown up, which was that they'd said, cause the agreement was for me to come back three days a week. And I thought that that would be permanent. I thought that that was just, I, you know, I'd put down what I wanted to do and that's just what they were going to agree with. Um, I didn't understand that the three days a week was only for um, the remaining six months of the 12 months, basically, that I was going to have off, as in six months, basically, mat leave and then six months back to work. So by January the next year, they wanted me back full time. And yeah, my face dropped. <laughs> I was just like this is, yeah, this is not the plan for me. This is not what I was intending at all. So I think they, they realized that. And initially it was, no, we want you back full time. But anyway, I managed to work with them. Um, and in the end, my boss said to me, look, we've got the best of both worlds here because you're effectively working, um, full time whilst getting paid for part time. So that's what happened. I went back for three days and I actually stayed three days until I left the company. Yeah. It's, um, it's a tough one. I work with a lot of women and they sometimes like work three days and you're working part-time, but if you work four days then you end up doing a full-time load and it's trying to find a balance between mm. what you want and what your employer company is needs. Uh, demanding of you. Yep. So good on you for negotiating um, what, what you wanted. Obviously with returning to work, there is a hell of a lot of priorities to get in place. Mm. Um, one of them being childcare. I know from speaking to my friends that there's often big waiting lists. It's obviously expensive. Uh, you've got to coordinate backup childcare. You've got to coordinate your schedule with Sam. Um, if you happen to be breastfeeding, you might want to incorporate that into your plan. There's just a lot to manage and think about. Mm -hmm. How did you go about that? How would you describe well, thanks to your sister, actually, who has two children and lived in Melbourne for a long time. She told me um, basically the second I got pregnant the first time when I you know, when I actually miscarried, um, she was like the second you're pregnant, go put your name down because it's crazy. So once I was pregnant, um, with, which resulted in Ivy, I did actually start to have a little bit of a look around. Um, I went to a couple to get in and I think you just got to get the feel for it. Um, I ended up finding one that both my girls are now at and I absolutely love it. And that's one of my biggest recommendations is if you are a mom, you need to go back to work and you need to use childcare be a hundred percent comfortable with where you are leaving your children whilst you go off and do your work. Because where I go, I leave my children and yeah, I, I miss them, but I just feel, I have just the utmost confidence and faith that they are being looked after. They are being educated. They're happy. They're, you know, they're not really missing me. Um, and I can go off and do my work as well as I possibly can. So. And how did you know when you found the right? I, I pulled into the car park at this place and just got a vibe. I'm a bit weird like that. I always get, it's all about feelings and meant to be's and all that kind of thing. Everything happens for a reason. So got a vibe pulling into the car park, walked into the reception, met the center manager straight away. She's actually going to feature on this podcast, but she's amazing. Um, and just felt completely comfortable. And I love that they went from the baby room up to um, preschool. So they do the four-year-old kinder and everything there. Um, so I had everything. It ticked every box. It's 10 minutes from home. Um, so I felt really happy with it when Ivy, um, 
when I went back to work, when I had my first daughter, I was breastfeeding. Um, work were fantastic. They gave me a room, a lockable room, um, where I was able to express. They had a fridge there and I did all of that. That was, a, that was so hard, but I did it for a few months. My supply just dropped off and off and off. And, um, yeah, so that's definitely one of the biggest challenges if you are breastfeeding and you need to go back to work. For me, maintaining supply was was super challenging. And then, you know, obviously you went on to have your second daughter, mm-hmm. Billy. Mm-hmm. Your experience returning to work, was that different to after you had Ivy? When I had Billy. When you had Billy. So what happened was I returned to work after having Ivy three days a week and I was working um, – uh, I would have been working for, yeah, I would have been working for six months actually. And then I fell pregnant again. Um, so I, when I fell pregnant the second time, um, I've always been really open and transparent with pretty much everyone in my life. So I went and had a conversation with my boss once I'd had that 13 week scan, let him know that, you know, this is when I was due. And we had a really good chat and he sort of said, look, um, and I knew that I, I couldn't go back and do the role that I was doing part-time with two kids. It was just too much because I still got calls on the days that I had off. I very much, I've always had jobs that you don't really cut off from once you leave an office. And actually I haven't really had an office for the last few years. I work on the road and things like that. So um, I kind of do a lot, have a feel that I'm working all the time. Um, and when yeah, when we had this meeting, he had sort of plans that he sort of thought I could come back and do. And it wasn't really in line with what I knew I would get enjoyment out of. So we had a conversation and I ended up becoming um, self-employed, still attached to that business that I used to work at. So without going into details and naming company names and things like that, I operated self-employed from, um, from, was from July last year. And I had Billy, my second daughter in October. And I kicked ass. <laughs> you did. I did really well. I, I ran a really good business. I made a decent amount of income that we otherwise wouldn't have had from having maternity leave um, whilst uh, being heavily pregnant at the start and then um, having a newborn. And I actually took her along to a lot of client meetings and things that I was doing. And it's amazing. You've got to give people chances. People are so open to that if you if you just ask the question to, you know, being, including your family and things that you need to. Um, so I did that for a year. It was great. Um, I'm not in that position anymore because I found another opportunity, which I'm doing now. And, um, it was just too good an opportunity to refuse. And I love that. So, um, yeah, that's how I managed it. So I was basically, yeah, I was kind of on maternity leave, but still working the whole time I had Billy. So, Having two children, balancing a job and, and changing jobs, mm. um, how do you think like being a mother has actually um, given you some new skills to help you adapt and to change and to oh, balance God. everything? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think that <laughs> when you become a mum, you just realise how much more time is precious, just the benefit and the keys to being, um, you know, organised and structured and, you know, planned out and all that kind of thing. So I just whilst I was kind of working less days, you know, when I was working part-time and then, you know, when I was um, self-employed and even now I'm working full-time, I put so much more into those hours because when I'm working, that is just all work and just getting stuff done and just performing and, you know, doing absolutely just trying to kill it in those hours so that when I can try and cut off, it's, it's left behind now and it's all about my kids and my family. So if I um, shift the topic slightly to um, mental health, Mm -hmm. mothers uh, often don't take time out for themselves. I know you love your girls unconditionally and they're absolutely your number one priority, uh, as is the case for all mothers, but often there can be feelings um, of resentment or feeling lost in yourself. Mm. What are things that you're doing for yourself right now um, that are important to you so that you get me time? Mm. So I, um, I didn't have any postnatal depression. Um, I, I've had anxiety and, um, was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder when I was about, well, I think it came on when I was about probably 16, 17 through high school. Um, but, um, was probably diagnosed when I was in my early twenties. So 
the miscarriages definitely flared up a lot of that. And then, um, you know, being completely nervous throughout the whole pregnancies as well. Um, in having my girls, um, I, you know, I managed it pretty well. There's definitely highs and lows. This, the feeling of just, um, of just completely losing who you are. I think regardless of anyone has got mental health issues, that just does affect your headspace, whether you realize it or not. I think we just battlers as mums and we just push through and just get the job done that we sometimes don't realize. Um, you kind of get to a point where you just kind of go, Oh my God, like what is happening? Like, who am I? And that happened for me. So I, um, look, I feel like through, through my first, um, when I had my first born, everything was pretty good. I was, I was pushing through. I was happy with everything, how everything was going. Um, had Billy, my girls are 21 months apart. So I kind of went through that phase where I was, you know, miscarriage, miscarriage, pregnancy, breastfeeding, stopped breastfeeding for about two months, pregnant, you know, uh, it is a big change (laughs) and the emotions and the hormones that that does to your body is kind of hard to explain as well. And, and then had my second born and then breastfed her and, you know, that whole topic again about breastfeeding versus bottle feeding and all that. And the pressure that that kind of heaped on with things as well was, it's just insane. And Oh my God, I just, fed is best. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) Fed is best. Who cares if you cannot breastfeed, it does not matter. If you can, fantastic. There's some really great benefits to it, but at the end of the day, your baby just needs a full belly and to be grown and loved and they will nourish and flourish. And so will you. So I had a lot of pressure with that, not from anyone else, but on myself with, with my firstborn, I was really trying to breastfeed. It was this goal to breastfeed her for a year and oh man, it was tough. And then when my second came, it was like, yep, let's try and do that. And it just got harder and harder and harder. My supply was dropping. I was going through this phase where I was, you know, I was unhappy with my weight and my health and, you know, just my physical appearance and in trying to, you know, go to the gym and eat better, it just all seemed to really affect my milk supply. So yeah, I, beginning of this year was when something went off in me and I just went, no, nah, this is time for selfish care <laughs> as I've called it. It's just focusing on you doing what's right for you. So I just, I just, the, the first time I gave my, gave Ivy, my firstborn, a, a bottle of formula, I cried this like from, from being sad the time I did it this time with Billy, I didn't cry, but I, uh, figuratively did, um, through tears of joy, like literally for just thinking, okay, thank God this pressure is off. I was still breastfeeding whilst I could, but having the formula there, it was just that pressure release of just knowing I can get out of the house and go away for, you know, as long as I want, if I need to, and my husband will still be there bottle feeding my baby and she's going to be perfectly fine. So I, yeah, I've dipped and, and, um, uh, and grown, gone up and down a lot in mental health over the years. Um, having children has definitely affected it. Um, I don't think I realized, you know, how, um, lost I was kind of feeling until earlier this year. And I've had a big path of, and a whole bunch of different individual things that's really changed and affected things positively for me. So, um, the first thing that started off for me was I was, I found a woman called Taryn Brumfit for anyone who doesn't know her. She has a, a doco called, um, embrace. It's all about embracing your body, regardless of what it looks like. She's been a hu- huge influence. I found a social media influencer called Emmylou loves. Everyone knows how much I love Emmylou. Um, she just taught me a lot about confidence and putting yourself out there and being fearless. And is probably one of the catalysts to me being confident enough to, um, start this podcast series. Um, I, things I did for my mental health in discovering those two women that I wasn't doing all of a sudden, I, I'd found a a guy by the name of James Smith PT. He's a kind of a, um, a uh, cut the bullshit, (laughs) um, uh, very out there, very, um, abrasive, but, um, great message around the fitness industry. And at the time it was just a message I needed to hear and my friends had told me about podcasts. I'd sort of tried listening at think to a few things and just couldn't really get into it, into anything. And then I heard about this guy and I can remember this day as clear as anything. It was in March this year. And I just said to Sam, I'm going out for a walk. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'll be back in an hour. And he was kind of like, Oh, right. Okay. He was fine with it, but he was shocked because up until that point, I hadn't done anything like that before. I literally, everything I did was about my girls 
and about my husband. And it wasn't anything that was put on me. Like no one was telling me you had to do that, but it's just this innate feeling that you just, you think that your, whatever you want and whatever you need gets pushed to the side. So it sounds um, like you just realized and thought, you know what, I'm going to make myself a priority. Yeah. Um, and whether it be going to an exercise class or going for a walk and listen to a podcast, you just needed some time for yourself. That's a non-negotiable. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That, that's sort of my take on what so, you're saying. That's summarizing it perfectly. <clears throat> exactly. I think it was just like, no, nah, and it was almost like, you can do this, so why haven't you? And I got a taste of that and... <laughs> It's like all I've done all year. I'm just I'm just doing all these different <laughs> courses and doing all these things for me and I'm yeah, it's it's being a little bit selfish and putting it back on myself, but it's just made me realize the, cha- the positive changes it's had within me, which has then in turn had positive changes with our family because it's made me be a better mum, a better partner, a better friend, better to my family, my loved ones, better at work, absolutely everything. So um, in my head, I've had the, if you feel good, you look good and you do good. And I constantly go through that kind of mantra. Um, and yeah, I'm loving the journey. <laughs> so in, uh, being at work, so obviously you found this, you know, balance that you want to achieve, but I guess, um, I work with a lot of women who are mothers and the one thing that they pretty much always say is that, you are expected to work as if you don't have children and you're expected to mother like you <laughs> can't have a career. Mm. And then, so that leads to the mum guilt. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on this? What is mum guilt? Do you experience it? And how does it make you feel? It's the worst. It's the absolute pits. It's just such a terrible feeling. And, it, you know, what I've come to realise is that no one actually makes you feel that. You kind of choose to have those feelings and react in that way. Um, I go through it all the time. I've had varying levels of mum guilt. I, I've gotten a lot better at that this year because what I've turned around and gone and realized is that again, what I said before, if I, if I'm good, everyone else, everything else around me seems to be good. So whilst, um, it still comes and I had it like even last night I was sitting down, you know, we we knew we were doing this today. Um, I wanted to prepare a few questions Ivy was still up. She doesn't like to go to bed. She's nearly three. She avoids it like the plague. Um, And so I was kind of sitting there typing away on my laptop, getting all this sorted for today. And then all of a sudden turned around and went, oh my God, you should be spending time with her. She was two hours past her bedtime. She should have been in bed. But I feel guilty about the fact that I'm distracted, not spending time with my daughter when she should be in bed because then she wakes up overtired and, you know, it's terrible today. So I think just, yeah, it's there, it's a battle, um, but you've got to bring that rational voice back to it. Almost, I feel like for women feeling it, just sit back and just think, hang on a minute, like, what does this actually really factually look like? Don't don't internalize it, don't get in your own head, um, look at the rational side of things, because more than likely, it's completely unwarranted, and you are doing the best thing for you, the best thing for your family, and you're being a kick-ass role model for your kids in whatever you're doing. Yeah, I can. Uh, I don't know. Do you ever get the sense that the that you're getting judgment that, that's coming into the mum guilt thing Always. from other people? Always, but I really start to block that out. So, yeah, I, you know, even the role that I'm doing now, I meet a lot of people, and you know, you it's a very it's a relationship role. So I build relationships and build rapport with these people as soon as I meet them. Um, and we're from all different walks of life, and we tell our stories. And as soon as I sort of say that I, you know, I'm a mum of young kids and they ask their ages. It's the, wow, they're really young and you do this job and you work full time. Like, you know, and they don't say, wow, like, you know, you're doing the wrong thing, but you imagine that you imagine that they think that they, you imagine that they judge you because you've chosen to work over staying at home every day and being a stay at home, stay at home mum. Um, so that, yeah, there's judgment in that regard. There's also judgment in the sense of, um, you know, even when I do go out um, and we have play dates and or go to play centers and stuff. And you see the mums there that have, you know, literally cooked everything from scratch. And I'm here with like the packaged stuff that, you know, it's all still as healthy as I can get it. And there's fruit and there's like, you know, fresh sandwiches, but I don't have the time for that sort of stuff. And for me, I prioritize other things over, you know, that kind of thing. 
But again, it's no one saying anything. No one's saying, mm, you're a bad mum because you've brought a packet of those veggie kiddielicious straw chips when I've cut up, you know, vegetables and steamed them and mashed them and done whatever else. No one's saying that. You think that. There's so many other women that just do not give a crap and all they're caring about is their kid having a tantrum or not eating the food that they've made or whatever. So, yes, if you had have asked me that question about probably <laughs> six months ago, it would have been a totally different answer. But now I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just not caring about the stuff I don't need to care about. Um, reading the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F, um, has actually probably changed a lot of that mindset for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Caring about the stuff that matters. I absolutely agree with you mm. on that. Um, so in balancing then uh, being a mother and your job, you know, it's inevitable that you're going to have to compromise on things from time mm. to time and that, that sits on both sides of the fence. What are some of the challenges you're facing at work in maintaining a work-life balance? And then at the end of the day when you get home, can you switch off? How do you be present with the girls? Yeah. And Sam for that matter, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I've done now is I literally, um, I, I, I make sure that my work time is my work time. I know my girls are um, looked after. Um, we The daycare centre I go to has an awesome app. I can see photos. I can see updates and all of that kind of thing on them. Um, they go three days a week. We have a nanny at home two days a week. She's absolutely incredible lifesaver. We just love her. And she sends us messages and photos all the time. So when I know they're happy and they're safe and they're, you know, content and everything's good there, I just go when I work and I put everything into it um, and do what I need to do in those hours. What normally happens is that um, what, I, what I've, what I've learned to do only recently um, so I joined an online mum group called um, well, by a lady called Andrea Ojemi. Don't really know how to pronounce her last name. She um, who runs a online paid membership group where, for other like-minded mums to jump on, and um, we basically just set little goals for each other, and um, and yeah, it just kind of helps support each other to get a little bit more out of life, manage the balancing act, and a few other things. And it's helped me so much. Um, and she originally was wanting us to start with big goals and I was finding it a little bit overwhelming. My head was too full with too much stuff. I couldn't think about too much about what I wanted out of life. And she just encouraged me to start small. So one of the things that she encouraged me to do, um, or that I actually came up with, but by her leading me to this point, um, it happened was from, from 4.30 till 7.30, unless something I know is going on with work or personally, my phones are away. So I cut that off and I spend that time so that I know I get a good three hours in the afternoon, evening where it's all about my kids. Yeah. So I spend that quality time, have that connection and do all of that. I work in the role that I'm in now. Um, my uh, head office is up in Sydney. I don't have to go into an office anywhere. I've got full flexibility and autonomy with my days. Um, I don't abuse that at all. I work really hard. Uh, but I know that if stuff happens and stuff has happened, of course it's happened. I've got girls that are aged one and three that go to childcare. Of course they get sick all the time. Therefore I get sick all the time. Um, but my manager, he's got two, two daughters as well. He totally gets it. Um, and it's great to be in an open and, um, accepting workforce that, yeah, that is good like that. It's not too kind of unrestricted and like, you know, leave your family there. It's kind of, yeah, whatever. We know things happen and they're supportive. So it's good. And then, you know, outside of work and your girls, you've obviously got an amazing husband. I do. Um, you know, how, how do you guys keep the passion alive? <laughs> uh, how do you continue to have fun and get quality time together and just be a couple? We just, we just do. We just have to now. We just, we just make plans. We book stuff in. Um, it's hard with the young girls. We, as I said, we live in Melbourne. Both of our sets of, um, parents are in Tassie. So we don't have grandparent support. We're lucky to have support from, um, Sam's sister and brother-in-law and my sister and her partner. Um, we, yeah, the kids that are looked after by those guys a lot. And we, 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 did, we could not live in Melbourne. There's no way we could live in Melbourne, do the jobs that we do. Um, if we didn't have that, that support, so 
It yeah. A village. It does take a village. Like it's a, it's yeah, it's a smaller village because of, you know, just by nature of not having a whole heap of family here, but it's a bloody awesome one. And um yeah, so we so we're pretty good. So we we will book, we'll have nights out, we'll go away. We've been away a couple of times just ourselves overnight. Um we have a very um we have a very good relationship. It's definitely got its challenges and we're not perfect all the time, but we we are really good communicators and we'll always tell each other how we're feeling and and you know, work through stuff. So that's that sounds like I know you got a date night tonight as well. <laughs> <laughs> um so other mums who are thinking about returning to work or, you know, like myself, I want to start a family and, mm-hmm. you know, what am I going to do about work is on the forefront of that. What sort of um, tips and advice do you have, um, you know, at a time that can often be full of guilt and fear and the unknown? Mm. What would you say um, to them and, and how to balance motherhood and work I think just stop worrying like don't get that don't let that get in your head um if you want it to make if you want it to work you will make it work um so I just think that just be you've got to be planned and organized definitely and your priorities and everything everything completely changes but um it can happen It, it can work and have open and honest conversations with your families with your friends um with your employer the more transparent you are, the more you verbalize what you want and what you need, the more likely you're going to get it back. So yeah, it's a challenge, but it can happen. Yeah. So from my point of view, I, as I said, I'm not a mother and I've, I watch a lot of my girlfriends. Um, they've all started families and I think naturally there, there has been a shift, um, Mm. in how things are. And, you know, I've seen mainly on, I follow the Mamma Mia mm-hmm. blog online and mm-hmm. there's lots of articles on various topics, but often articles might pop up about um, childless friends versus friends with children mm-hmm. and the divide, I guess, that sometimes occurs. Have you experienced this? And I guess, you know, in the theme that it takes a village to raise um, a child or children, is there anything that you would say to, I guess, your childless friends, how could they support you? I would say, first of all, that um, understand that, so from my perspective, I'm doing the absolute best that I can in every element. I'm really trying to do everything. So I know that I've changed. Um, I'm still trying to find myself and, you know, I'm never going to go back to who I was before I had kids, but um, I'm still trying to, you know, keep those elements of who I was before and, and then manipulate that to be, or manage that to how it, you know, it can be now with children. Um, naturally, you know, as people change, friendships can change. Um, but I just think that again, it all comes back to conversation and being open and communicating with each other and just figuring out new ways to make it work. I think for people that don't have kids and don't want kids and, you know, one of my closest friends doesn't probably doesn't want to have children. Um, in the time that I had my two young babies and especially when they're young, it is so goddamn hard. It is so much harder than you ever think it could be. Um, don't let that deter you from having children because you still work through <laughs> it and it's still beautiful. But those early days, it's just, yeah, it's a challenge. So be prepared to not hear from, um, you know, from people that have had kids in that phase for a period of time, but just support. The messages are amazing. Um, you know, I know I got a message from you, Donna, when I first returned to work, when I had Ivy, um, it was on Tuesday, the 11th of July, 2017. And it said, happy first day of work, working mama, showing Ivy us women can have it all with a whole bunch of female, powerful fist bump, uh, emojis. So just knowing that you've got friends that are, um, that don't have kids, but, um, are still there for you and just figuring out what that new friendship looks like. For me, I still love to go out and have a drink and a wine, um, and a dance with my friends. So it's just about trying to reprioritize when that can happen and plan for it. We, we book our catch ups in there yeah. with our group of friends. I think like, that, yeah. We've learned to, um, we all catch up together and we book the next date. We have to. Because um, before you know it, weeks and months can pass. And we just haven't seen each other. Yeah. yeah. And, I think, and I think not only um, not only 
becoming parents but just generally as you get older it does become harder to maintain friendships and you've really got to yeah you've got to make that effort to book in some time together and um yeah that's my sort of thoughts on it (laughs) I agree I agree you just have to yeah got it in the diary definitely um yeah so is there anything kind of else that's burning on the other um you know, burning topics on your mind that you wanted to, to chat through or talk about that we haven't yet covered. Um, so, for example, I'm a very detailed person. I like information. Um, <laughs> yes, what, are, <laughs> what are some things that you do day-to-day with Sam in your household to manage the girls, getting out the door on time in the morning, yep. making sure the girls are fed in bed at night, yep. just sort of All helpful, <laughs> helpful daily tips. Yeah. Good question. And I'm a detailed person too, definitely. And that's probably probably what I, this is probably what I really want to hear in these podcasts. So how do you literally make it work day to day and the challenges and stuff? Because um, time, to be honest, is the biggest challenge. Time to just do anything that you kind of want to do because it just becomes all about the functional running of your household that you then have very little time to do stuff for yourself. So if I start from um, a Sunday night, that's kind of where it all kicks off. I um, I get out our clothes or the girls' clothes for the whole week. So that actually involves getting out the weather app, figuring out what the weather is going to be for the week to decide what outfits they're going to need. We're in a two-storey um, townhouse presently. And, um, you know, whenever I'm getting them ready every morning, if I've, if something's left upstairs and I go up and then I come back down, I've realized I've forgotten something else. It's just painful. So I've just, I'm, I'm doing things to set myself up to succeed, not fail. So I get a whole box of clothes out for the whole week for Billy. Same for Ivy. They're all kept downstairs. There's nappies, there's wipes for Billy. There's a whole bunch of change of clothes for Ivy. She's toilet trained, but has accidents. So that's kind of all there. The bags get loaded up in the car. So I put the childcare bags, if it's a childcare day in the car the night before I get out, um, I get out a gym bag. I do that this every night for myself and put my work clothes in my gym bag. Um, you know, have everything there ready to go put out my um, gym clothes so that um, I can um, just get up and chuck on clothes and not even think about it. If I remember, I try to do it as often as I can because it makes my life easier. I'll get Sam's clothes out as well because his alarm goes off at five o'clock in the morning and when he's ruffling through the cupboards and the drawers, it just wakes up everybody. So Sam, if you're listening, please stop. If I forget (laughs) to get your clothes out, can you please do it yourself? Um, so Sam's up at five, he's out the door by about, you know, quarter to six. I wake up not long after that. If I can, um, I have an alarm set. Sometimes the girls wake up before that. Um, and if it's Ivy, there's no chance she's going back to sleep, but Billy will sometimes. But, um, one of the key things that I've done for my own self care and mental health is I meditate every morning. So I found an app called Bloom, which is incredible. If anyone's looking for some help and support on how to meditate and get a better um, work on your mental health, this app is absolutely brilliant. I'm not the target audience for it. It's definitely targeted to more people probably 10 years younger than me, but for me, it just works. So I meditate every morning. I then get up and um, chuck on my gym clothes, get stuff organized. The girls very quickly wake up after that. Um, We spend a bit of time playing around. And then we're out the door. And what I've found is that um, I've changed that routine. I used to kind of, you know, get up and get out the house at about 8, 8.30, drop off the girls and then start working. But the the routine would actually be very um, challenging in the sense that I'd find we'd be sitting around here of a morning because we're up pretty early. I would delay taking them to childcare or having the nanny arrive because I'd feel guilty about um, about sending them earlier. Yeah. But why change that from this this mum group that I'm on? Um, looked, yeah, just discovered this that I now take them if we're running on time, um, take them early and have them at childcare by about seven thirty. Because what happens? They go into like pooled room care, so regardless of the age they are, they all go into the same room because there's only a certain number of kids there and a certain number of carers. And as you know, more people arrive, they go off to their own rooms. Um, but what happens then is that Ivy is just so excited about being in the room with her little sister that it's all of a sudden, bye, mummy, love you, and all that kind of thing as opposed to crying and gripping onto me like a koala and, you know, 
and that's just the worst. Like it just does not set your day up nice when that kind of thing happens. So in an ideal day, that's, yeah, we get out the door, the girls are there by 7.30. I then go off to the gym, do a workout at the gym that I love. Um, and they've got shower facilities there. So I don't even have to have a shower when I first wake up in the morning. I just chuck on my gym clothes, get there. I get in a workout, get to get changed and ready in peace and like, you know, take time doing my makeup, um, all those kind of luxuries. And then I start my day and I'm normally starting my day by about eight 30, um, and hit the road and do all of that. So, um, yeah, so if it's not a daycare day, the nanny's here and she's here at varying times, depending on when we kind of need her to be. Um, Sam normally does the pickup from childcare. So he's normally got them by about four 30. I try to be home by about that time. Um, I've had a break from social media, which I, you know, I know you sort of started that you realized how good that was for your mental health. That's yeah. helped me massively. And I think too, it also, um, it sparks more conversation when you see, absolutely um, see people. And I don't think I really realized, um, how much you, just see on social media and then, and then you just never speak to people in your life. Totally agree. Totally agree. I was just kind of going through this phase one social media where I was just liking and commenting on everything. And yeah, I cared about people, but it was, it was weird. It sounds depressive, but it was almost like an empty feeling. It was like, I'm doing it out of habit as opposed to, and I'm looking at so much that I sometimes would see someone and they'd talk about something and it would be like, Oh yeah, I saw that on social media, but I didn't really register it properly in my mind. I went off Facebook about April after a conversation with my brother. He kind of gave me the the motivation to just do it. And I, um, it was the best thing. I did not miss it at all. I'm back on it now because I needed to promote my <laughs> podcast and it was my best way to reach as many people as I could. And it does provide its values in certain areas. But after going off Facebook, I then a couple of weeks ago, I went off Instagram as well because it was just the same sort of thing. I was just like, um, my brother-in-law came around and we were having this really deep conversation, all four, all four, four of us, Sam's, um, my husband's sister and brother-in-law and, and Sam and I were just talking about, they've just had their baby and well, a couple of months ago, and we're just talking about the battles of, um, of life, really how hard things are now. And, and, uh, he had just gone, my brother-in-law had just gone to a mental health talk called the resilience project for anyone listening again, another, an awesome, awesome initiative. And they do events, um, all throughout Australia. So definitely keen to go one next year. I've not been yet, but I've heard all about it. Um, and yeah, this guy basically just goes around talking about, um, you know, things you can do for your mental health. And he's a big believer in unplugging from social media, um, and what that actually does. And after that conversation, I just went, you know what, I'm getting rid of Instagram too. So I was off Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat and I woke up the next morning and, um, Ivy, I'd just woken up and I could actually hear Ivy coming up the stairs and I went to roll over and grab my phone and looked at it and went, Oh yeah, there's yeah. nothing there to check. It takes a while to break the habit. It's it actually does. surprising how it's addictive, isn't how it? How hard it is yeah. to break it. Yeah. And I went to I had look... to get rid of all the apps off my yes. phone. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Same with me. So, <clears throat> and you know what this thing, I looked at my phone and I went, all you were going to do then is scroll on Instagram. Um, your beautiful daughter is about to come in and say good morning. And you'd be half having a conversation with her, half wondering what, who knows who is doing on social media. Um, and I put my phone down and I turn around and we, we just played a silly little game. We're playing hide and seek and we just had the best morning. And it, li- it literally like, I almost started crying cause I was just like, what else have I missed out on by just being far too connected to this platform? than being connected with the people that being are really present. in front of me and being present. And like you say, like, um, I know you, you went on Facebook, so we would have catch ups and it would be really true, genuine conversations. Another one of my friends, she's off Instagram. And when I was off Facebook, um, we had no connection with either of those platforms. So when she and I catch up, the detail that we talk about, because we don't know what's going on in each other's <laughs> lives, it's great. And it's really good connected, yeah, connected stuff. So I'm a huge believer in it. I could go on and <laughs> I feel like I could just talk about it for ages, but um, yeah. So other than that, the day to day really is just, so we get home, we play with our kids. If the weather's good, we'll try and go for a family walk. Um, I see so much value in that and just getting out of the house and getting some fresh air. We've got two dogs that have 
poor things have been so neglected since we had kids. Um, and um, then when we come back, it's just that hectic rush from about like, I don't literally know. Hour. Yeah, literally. Um, and what we tend to do, one of us will um, have the kids meals ready and feed the kids while the other one will cook um, for us. Um, we, we go to bed relatively early because, you know, we're up pretty early and if we, um, were trying to do all of that at the one time, it just wouldn't work. So a couple of, couple of life hacks that I can recommend is for kids meals. Um, we don't do this every night, but the Annabelle Carmel, I think it is, they're kids healthy frozen meals that you can pull out of the freezer. Ivy loves it. She literally is like, yeah. Uh, spaghetti bolognese or like whatever she'll pick she's fussy as but um she can choose what she wants for dinner and then we a couple of minutes in the microwave and they're done and the girls love the meals um I know that's not ideal every single night of the week but hey whatever works yeah so um we'll do that someone will feed the kids and go up and do the bath thing um we also use HelloFresh for our meals so HelloFresh is also another thing that I have you to thank for (laughs) we've been using HelloFresh for about I don't know three years I think now pretty pretty much every single week and um for anyone that doesn't know it's a delivery you get to your door um with literally all the ingredients you need to cook your dinner so it includes the meats the dairy the fresh produce the spices absolutely everything you get a recipe card that you follow step by step um we love it because what we were doing was cooking the same meals every single week and we were over it we're over it's you know with time poor now with kids like getting to a supermarket is painful trying to figure out what to cook looking up new recipes we don't have that um the beauty of that time to do that anymore so HelloFresh is and my cousin um she actually got me onto click and collect with Woolworths oh yes that's that's another one that's That's another good one so she's got um She's got a little boy uh, and similar. She's back at work full time. So is her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Click and collect. They can just do the quick shopping online and then pick it up on the way home from work. So good. And not have to do a supermarket trip. Yeah. Is um, amazing. Whether whether you're a parent or not. Totally agree. Yeah. Who who likes it? Seriously. (laughs) Tell me those people. Um, All right. So I guess, you know, in closing... And, and in the goal of you trying to have it all and you've got this, I guess the question is, have, have you got this? Do you think you've got it? And, um, you know, I don't think, for me anyway, I don't think that it's something that you can achieve on your own. Mm-hmm. You need the support of your husband, your family, your friends, your work. It's a really combined um, effort from everybody. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what are your sort of thoughts? Damn right. I think I've got it. (laughs) Um, and I want to have the confidence to say that because I work bloody hard. Um, and you know, when we can, we, Sam and I play hard. Um, and you know, I think that we've been the absolute best parents that we know how to be. I think our kids are happy. They're thriving. They're loved. You know, they're fed. They've got beautiful people around them. Absolutely. I've got it. Um, and you know, and my husband does too. And, you know, in, in talking about this podcast, he's so supportive of it. And he just kind of went, Oh, is there one for dads? Like, I was like, are you going to do dads? You've got this too, because that's probably something that, yeah, I think is even more unspoken about. Yeah. Dads have it really hard too. It's a life changer for all of us. Um, typically just the way that I think our genetics are made up, women just, adjust because they have to broadly speaking um but yeah it's a huge adjustment for dads too and they struggle as well so um yeah hopefully he he might uh, pull his finger out and go and do something like that too (laughs) um I said to him I can't speak for men I can only speak for women and what I know about and I just want these messages to be heard so um yeah I think I've got it I think plenty of other women have got it too and I can't wait to hear all their stories yeah so I guess um just to recap like what have we got to look forward to in, in the series? Like, yeah. um, so we are, the next episode, um, is with a, someone that I've known and admired for a long time. Her name is Courtney. Um, we will be chatting, um, within the next 24 hours actually. So we'll probably release pod- podcasts pretty close together. Courtney, who's been my accountant for a she number has. of years. <laughs> 
superhero woman. Um, I've had, um, there's a bunch of women actually. I have actually got a list. I counted before of 33 people that I have either asked already or they've reached out to me. Um, what's exciting is that this is going to actually broaden a lot more than I originally thought. Um, even today, um, we've spoken about the pregnancy issues that I've had, um, you know, in pregnancy losses, there's been a bunch of other things and other people I know that are going to come on that have had other similar issues with that, which they may choose to elaborate on just this week. I've had an absolutely incredible human reach out to me asking if she could come on and tell her story in addition to being an awesome mum and, um, you know, building and growing a really great business. She's also a survivor of domestic violence. So her story is extremely unique and inspiring. Um, I've also just had a real sort of think about it over the last couple of days since I did launch everything and I let everyone know what I was doing and what was happening. And I just think how awesome it also will be to hear from um, people of different ages as well. So there's people that have got grown kids. I want to hear from them about what challenges they face, what do they see is different um, now to their children that are raising children to what it was like when they were having their kids. Because yeah, I just think that times have changed and that's awesome as a feminist. (laughs) I love it. Um, but it's also brought an extra pressure, I think, because it's almost like, yeah, women, you can go and you can have it all. Um, but Hey, you're probably going to get judged a little bit too along the way. So, um, it's going to be interesting. There's a whole heap of people to talk to. It's going to be super inspiring. So, um, yeah, watch this space, please. Um, I'll sign it off now, I guess I'll I'll come back to the person (laughs) in control. Thank you so much, Donna, for doing this. You're, um, you're bloody amazing. And, oh, well, I always say Adam's or my husband, Adam, um, he's always like praises the way Danielle and Sam parent. And, um, he's always like, oh, if we're half the parents that they'll be, that they are, sorry, um, then we've got nothing to worry about. Oh, that's the best compliment you could receive. Thank you. Um, he's also a legend. Um, so yeah, so I guess I want, I'll, I'll sign this off now. I'm sorry. It's kind of gone on this long. I don't think they'll be this long moving forward. There's kind of a lot to cover off today. Um, I hope it's is or going to be what you as whatever's going on in your life, what you need to get out of it. Um, I would love these messages to be shared as widely as is humanly possible. I'm not making any money out of this. Um, it's really just a passion project and a, and a, and a deep desire to help other women and make us all feel a little bit more connected and on the same page as each other. So, um, if you can go to the website, mygt.online, um, there's links there to the podcast. Um, you know, please subscribe please like, share, comment, follow, do whatever you can to try and get the message out there. Um, Thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, you all hearing from me again in the next episode.